Welcome back to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. Today, we are with the Chad Veach. I've been hearing about Chad for quite some time. They're a bunch of mutual friends that I started following Chad, started listening to him preach. This guy is a preacher, teacher, speaker, author, influencer, uh, most importantly, genuine person, dad, husband. Um, let me just give you Chad's quick little bio. We're going to have some fun today. You're going to learn. This is heavy note-taking time. Um, man, if you're somebody who cares about personal growth and development, you're going to be inspired over the next 30, 40 minutes. Chad Veach is the founder and lead pastor of Zoe, get it right, Zoe Church in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> uh, the past 20 years has dedicated his life to ministry and preaching the gospel. In addition to leading Zoe, you should know this, international speaker, author of three books, host of Leadership Lean In, my favorite leadership podcast, Craig Rochelle, way up there, Chad Veach, way up there. Um, leadership Lean In is one of, in addition to the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, my favorite leadership podcast. Uh, but it's one of the most downloaded leadership podcasts in the world. Check that out. Uh, Chad and his wife, Julia, reside in Los Angeles with their four children, Georgia, Winston, Maverick, and Clive. He's got a new book out. We're going to talk about worried about everything because I pray about nothing, how to live with peace and purpose instead of stress and burnout. Chad, welcome to the show, my guy. Wow, let's go. I mean, great intro, great energy. I mean, I'm I'm here for all of it. I'm hey, me too. You sold you sold me. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep going because we're about to talk about association. Your association mm. determines your destination. You've built this incredible network, man. You have a great circle of genuine caring people who are doing big things. We're gonna talk about how to build that advice you give to young leaders who are working on their their association and building their circle. Um, but man, I just want you to receive this. Here's what Brad Lominick said about Chad Veach, our good friend, Brad Lominick. Brad Lominick said, Chad Veach is a loyal friend, one of the best communicators and preachers in the world, a constant student of leadership, passionate, but average golfer, <laughs> and lights up every room that he walks into with off the chart, off the charts, energy, grace, and positive encouragement. I'm not done. <laughs> Colin Henderson <laughs> said, Chad is one of the most charismatic and influential leaders I've ever met and my favorite pickup basketball teammate. Hey. And our guy, David Nurse. Come on, D Nurse. Said, Chad is one of the most infectiously genuine people I've ever met. I don't think there's ever been a time when I've come away from a convo with Chad, not filled up, encouraged, and without a huge smile on my face. Um, listen, man. You have impacted so many people, and and we share a lot of friends in common. Um, but you are you are influencing influencers, and I think you've just done a really good job of building a network, building genuine friendships. Um, mm. Here's here's what you said. People are gonna love this, man. All the people I love the most love people. I love the most. Did I get that right? I say that right? Yeah, it, it, exactly. It, it, the reality is, is that something is off. Really, when I I heard Chris Hodges, who uh, pastors, you know, one of the best churches in America, he said, all my favorite people love all my favorite people. And when he said that, it made me realize something is off if I have someone in my close circle that doesn't like someone else in my close circle. Something's off there. Hmm. And, and so because all my favorite people love, they genuinely go like, 
wait, you love them. I love them. There's a like spirit. So if something, mm-hmm. if, if there's two at odds or two at conflict or, two, you know, something's off there and I got to find out, you know, who, who is it? You, usually it's one more than the other, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so there's a character issue. There's a, there's a conflict. There's a, something happened. So, you know, how can I bring resolve to this? Or maybe there's a, there's a change. I heard someone say this yesterday, but I thought it was so brilliant. People are in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Mm. And I thought, man, you know, we got to find out those that are with us for a lifetime. That's so important. But also why did that person, uh, another one come into my life? Why, why there's a reason why. And other people seasonal, it's okay to go. Mm. I'm not, we're not going to be with each other forever while we're, while we're together. Let's have the best time. So I love understanding relationships. I love understanding why do I love someone more than someone else loves them? Mm. You know, for example, I always think the, the greatest leader that ever lived to me is Jesus. And Jesus is walking one day. He sees a guy up in a tree. Everyone else in the town saw this guy as a hoodwinked jerk. This is a thug. This is a liar. This is a thief. Mm. Jesus loves him and says, get down. I'm going to your house. Mm. We're going to have some case of the us today. So he lo- So I always think leadership is about seeing the gold when everybody sees garbage. Come on. You know, it's about seeing not where people are, but where they're going. Mm. And so I understand that for uh, you know, projects, you know, or people that are in your life for a reason or season. But I think for all the lifetimers that are in your life, all my favorite people should love all my favorite people. Mm, so good. Well, I already love you, man. And you're a new friend. We're just getting to know each other. But That's I'm like, right. man, this guy, man, your, yeah, your energy and, and what you're about, man, not just your, your talent, but your character. So, so apparent in, in how other people speak about you, talk about you. Um, listen, there's a lot of people that know Chad from the outside, but I want to put you on the spot. Um, give us something that maybe not everybody knows about Chad Veach to kick off our conversation. I think, you know, when you ask that question, my first thought is, cause someone was just telling me this, uh, last week, I am really into administration. Like I really like to be mm-hmm. organized and I'm really into, I obsess over emails. I obsess over communication. I'm obsessed with my calendar. Uh, I look at the budget right after this podcast. I'm going to get into a budget meeting. I just like, I like to be in the, in the weeds. A lot of leaders don't, a lot mm. of, a lot of leaders like to, you know, uh, hire that out. Um, I don't know why I'm just a little bit more obsessive into detail. So I would say probably say people, people wouldn't usually sometimes if you're a public speaker, you're not also seen as a, as an administrative person, but I could, I would be happy to book all my flights and invoice and run all the budget. You know, I just, I don't, I don't need that much administrative help always. That is, that is, that is surprising. That is a, that is a, <laughs> people that are, are doing what you're doing. Do not. In fact, I literally just said this to somebody earlier today. Shout out to all you organized administrative folks. Um, I literally said, if somebody tells me that they don't have emails in their inbox, like they cleaned it out, I said, we might not be great friends. Like that person, (laughs) we're probably pretty different people. 
Um, we can still be friends though. You and I. Yeah. Yeah. We can still be friends. We can still be friends. I, I, I think for me, it's, it's just all about your wiring. It's all about what makes yep. you tick. It's all about what makes you, yep. you know, excited. And I get excited to get up in the morning and tackle my to-do list. I, I get excited to create a to-do list first of all. So I think that, you know, your awkward is your genius. Your awkward mm. is your gift to the mm. world. And so I think a lot of times we're, we're, trying to be like our heroes and I, and I, there's place for that, but there's also about just going like, this is my unique makeup. I'm going to try and dominate that. Mm, so good. It's great, man. Well, we're going to talk <laughs> about a lot of things today. We're going to cover a lot of ground. I want to start with your newest book uh, because Chad, the reality is we have some people who are nervous, anxious today. We have some leaders listening who are worried. Um, your newest book worried about everything because I pray about nothing is filled with pa- practical truth not just for leaders, but for all people who are dealing with fear, anxiety. Um, we talk about faith openly on this podcast. I know that you know the real source of truth. And, and, and so I just, I would love for you to open up about this book. The first question I have for you is, um, why, did you, why did you write it? Why this book? Why this subject? Well, I always think you, you, you write out of what you're going through or you write out of what you're learning about. You write out of, you know, your own pain, even a lot of times. I had... Uh, Long story short, I I had gone to Columbia and I was preaching at a church there and I was really inspired by what I saw and experienced. And so after the services, I asked the pastor, it's just like I've never seen anything like it. Mm. And I said, why do you think you're experiencing what you're experiencing here? And and we're not. There's a clear difference. And he said, well, I think that the key for us has been we're a, a praying church. Every Tuesday and Thursday morning before people go to work. And we had just gotten out of a night meeting where there was like, I, I don't know, 4,000 people in the five o'clock and another 4,000 people in the seven o'clock, two Wednesday night services. Mm. He said, there'll be just as many people here on Tuesday and Thursday morning before they go to work to pray. Wow. Wow. And, and, and so God started just reminding me and showing me times where I really felt like he was doing something significant that was beyond my ability in my ministry uh, experience all the way back to high school. In high school, I experienced, uh, I, w- I went to a public school, a couple thousand students, and I experienced like a revival in my public high school. When mm. I got saved, I started praying during my lunch uh, break. We had 30 minutes. I would eat for 15 mm. and, then, and then go pray for 15 with a group of people. And it caught like wildfire. We saw crazy things happen. Like pretty soon we got to go to the gymnasium. There's that many kids, public school kids are getting saved, delivered. Mm. It's like crazy stuff. And so God started reminding me, Hey, you, you, you don't pray like you used to, mm. you know, you, you, you read the Bible. I love that you're a Bible guy. You're, you you do not miss a day, but like, I need that you're missing your prayer life. So God started to deal with me. And then I started to think, why, well, why don't people pray? So I know why I wasn't doing it. There's just nothing about our flesh side that wants to pray. Our, fl- mm. I mean, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane the night he's betrayed. And he tells the guy three times, can you please just pray? You can't? Mm. You can't pray? Because the spirit is so willing, but the flesh, it's just weak. It doesn't want to. So I, all of that was the genesis of mm. that whole thing. And then I just started to unpack why people don't pray and some of it is they don't know how, some of it's intimidating, some of it's shame, like a guilty mm. conscience. So I just wanted to write to go like, hey, it's not as hard as you think it is. 
You don't have to be perfect to pray. And, and, and I just started unpacking all that. Well, you, I mean, there's crazy amounts of, of practical truth in the book and we're all about tools and the how to. So maybe first speak to the, to the person who, who does believe who is just maybe lacking, um, intentionality in their prayer life. Uh, and and then we'll, and then we'll speak to the, maybe the, the non-believer, maybe, maybe you don't believe or you question faith and and you want to know more about prayer. I'd love for you just to address those two groups of people and maybe some practical truth and tips about, about the power of prayer. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, if you don't know how to pray, welcome to the the disciples life, (laughs) the disciples, you know, the, the, the only thing they ever asked him to teach him how to teach them how to do that. It wasn't walking on water or turning water into wine, which I just think could have been an option. I just gotta be honest. If we're throwing out options, that would have been a good one. Uh, it wasn't raising the dead or healing the sick or the lame or the blind or the deaf or the mute. It was only like, wow, when you pray, that is insane. Mm. How do we do that? And so I just think you're in good company. The disciples mm. didn't know how to pray. And so we got to learn and we, and we need a teacher. That's why I think it's so important the best way to learn how to pray is by doing it with people. And mm. so I know when I pray over my boys at night, when I, we, when they go to bed and I'm praying with them, they're learning the language. They're learning how to pray with sensitivity, how to pray with direction and, and, and how to, you know, declare who God is in their life and stand on his character and nature. So I think the best way to learn is to do it with somebody. But if you don't know how to pray, I I, I would, I would do everything you can to get information on something like as simple as the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer for me is not, Jesus never said, now, when you do this, every time you pray, you must say these exact words in this exact order. And if you miss a word, it is completely nullified. He just goes, goes, you know, I I think this is good language. Mm. I, I, I think, I think these are some, we should hit on forgiveness we should hit on provision. We should hit on temptation. We should hit on his agenda, not my agenda. Like, I just think you got to mm. find a model to start using. Mm. It's good, man. So good. I remember Andy Stanley one time saying he was in a small group with, you know, some, some sort of seasoned church leaders, believers, and they had these, all these eloquent words, man, they could bring it. They could quote scripture. So they pray and it sounded really impressive and Yet they were they were sort of bankrupt morally um, guys that ended up just moral failure, and then there was this one guy in his in a, in a small group who was like newer to faith, didn't ever want to pray publicly, and then one night decides to pray, and he's like, it was the most simple prayer. It was just this this heartfelt, humble prayer, and it wasn't about the fancy words. It was about his posture and what what he was asking and believing for in the Lord, and and so. Man, I just appreciate that you like a Mark Batterson, like people who are writing about, speaking about this topic. So, so important. Um, I know well, we can spend, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, and just imagine where your life would be. I can't imagine the ditch I'd be in without prayer. And so yeah. I know for me, the lifeline that prayer has been, and people taught me, my youth pastor, my parents. Uh, significant leaders in my lifetime taught me the power, the importance, how to pray privately, how to pray in groups, how to pray corporately. All of that was modeled. And I had to learn it. How could, how could we not pass it on to other people that are like, 
a single mom's barely getting by. We got to, we got to teach her how to pray. You know, yeah, young man's growing out, growing up without a father. We got to teach that you that that guy how to pray. Somebody that's a coach leading a sports team. You got 14 personalities plus the manager and, and a couple of assistants. Man, you got you got to learn how to pray. And if we don't mm. learn how to pray, I think that's when anxiety overwhelms us. Mm. When I pray, it's not that I won't face anxiety. I'll still have stress. I'll still have anxiety, but they will not overwhelm me. They will mm. not define or determine my decisions I, because peace will be the overwhelming factor of my life, not anxiety, which is still present. It's still there. I still got to face it, but it's not going to cripple me and throw me headlong. Mm. We live in a culture, you, you hear this, right? People say, hey, would you feel anxiety? You know, it's time to pray. Not that that's not true, but prayer is about more than just beating back Anxiety. Anything. anything right. you would, how, how would you respond to somebody who says something like that? Chad? Well, it, you know, it's like for me, the, the way that I try and look at my life is I'm not a firefighter, so I don't live my life putting out fires. Mm, you know, God so didn't good. God didn't make me to react. He, he, he created me to create. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a creative. God is a creative. I'm a creative. So I've been I've been I've been made to I've not been created to consume content. I have been made by God to create content. And so when my, my prayer life is not, I'm not a firefighter. I'm not go, going like, mm. I need this and this money and, and my kids and this, my job. And I, I'm not putting out fires. I am praying in faith that God would do the things that he's placed in my heart. Mm. So, I, so I'm praying his goodness over my mm. city. So I never look at my city, LA, the most beautiful city in the whole world, the greatest city that God loves more than any other city in the whole world. The city of Los Angeles. I don't ever pray reactionary. You know, I pray, I pray from, I think that's one of the great things about prayer is that prayer will always remind you of premise Hmm. that I'm praying from, not for. I'm already blessed. I'm already forgiven. I'm already accepted. I'm already loved. I'm already a child of God. I'm already, I'm already in Hmm. favor. So because I know who I am in Christ, now I didn't deserve any of that, by the way. I didn't earn it. It wasn't my tithe record, my prayer record, my Bible reading record. It wasn't my mission trip. None of, I didn't earn any of that. It's all by birth, not worth. So when I understand that, then I pray, the Bible says in Hebrews, I come boldly, or other translations say with confidence to the throne of grace. By the way, that throne is not a throne of judgment alone. By Jesus, it is now a throne of grace. Mm. Let's just also get another image. So good. Where, where is Jesus right now? Where's so where's Jesus? His parents lost God in the New Testament when he was twelve. He goes, "Why? You should have looked for me in church. You knew I was. You knew your boy was going to be a youth group. You <laughs> where? How crazy are you guys? But but now we. It's like where's Jesus now? We know where he is, and we have to remember that it's a human. It's a thirty-three year old that is seated at the right hand of the Father. And what is that human Jesus, the 33-year-old who died on the cross and rose from the dead? What is he doing right now? Mm. He is right now praying for us. So whenever you pray, you're partnering with the guy that's praying for you. Come on. That's deep. That's big. We just went to church. We're going to go to the classroom. <laughs> We're going to go to the classroom. Somebody's like, somebody's like, man, I need to find out more about this prayer stuff. And I don't know about and, and isn't this like the leadership guy? This is the leadership guy. This is the host of the Leadership Lean In. We're going to lean into leadership. We're going to talk some leadership. Um, Chad, I would say this. 
whether it's in the church, in the marketplace, you are revered as a, as a leadership expert. People come to you for leadership advice. Wow. One of John Maxwell's favorite questions has become one of my favorite questions. It's what is the greatest leadership lesson you've ever learned? So let's just start there. If we're going to talk about the topic of leadership, what is the greatest leadership lesson you've ever learned? Wow, what a question. Uh, you know, many things come to mind right away when I hear that. What is the greatest leadership um, takeaway, life experience? I think that, you know, there's a line in leadership that I think is very important for all of us to understand. And that's, you might have made a mistake, but you are not a mistake. Mm. And John wrote a book years ago that really inspired me. And it was called Failing Forward. Mm. And I think that, you know, we have to remember as leaders that the only thing that matters is that you get back up and try again. Mm. You know, so we cannot promise perfection, but we can promise progress. And, yeah. and, and so I think the, the, the greatest leadership lesson I've learned is to get back up and try again mm. and to never be defined by a season or, or, or a, a, a quarterly report or an annual mm. report. The, 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 it cannot be distilled into results. It's it, to me, it's always about effort. It's about, it's about understanding the inner scoreboard is more important than the outer scoreboard. And even if other people think that I'm winning, if I know inside deeply that I'm not, that I'm a loser, mm. it doesn't matter what other people think about me. It matters what I think about myself. And so at the end of the day, do I make myself <clears throat> proud? Because I, I could have failed miserably in a, 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 let's say I release a book and it doesn't sell, or I, I, I preach a message and it doesn't chart, or, or fill in the blank. I think as leaders, we have to get off the results train. Mm. It is not about results. It is always about effort and getting back up to try your hardest. And that to me is the thrill of victory. The thrill of victory mm -hmm. is never for me in attendance or downloads. The thrill of victory is always putting my head on the pillow going, I know I did my best today. I mm. tried my hardest. And that, what else are you going to, what else are you going to live for? I, I, I always hold on to that thought. Everything I do, I do it with all my heart it, for me personally as under the Lord. Cause I mm. think he's watching, mm. you know, it's like last night I had, I had, um, I had dinner with, I call him a whale because he's just a whale of a leader. He's just in his own right. He's this guy's in, 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 in development space and, and oversees billions of dollars annually. He's a whale. And mm. I was, I asked him, he, he's new to faith, brand new. I said, have you ever heard the parable of the talents? And he said, no. I said, Oh, you're going to love this one. I said, Jesus tells the story where he gives the master gives these three guys. He gave one of them five talents one of them two and one of them one. And I tell him the whole story. And the five turns of the 10 and the two turns of the four and the one buries it. And, and, and I go, think about the ROI, mm. the return on investment that this guy somehow turned five into 10. Mm. And this guy, one guy turned two into four and the other guy buried it. And so my friend that's new to, he's loving it because ROI, this is his <laughs> life. It's his deal. And I thought, you know, the reason why I respect you is why I told my friend, the reason why I respect you is because look at the ROI on the talent that God has given you. Mm. You can turn property. Everybody else sees it'll never work here. You see something. 
I think for me, leadership is about going, it's not, I got five right now, but but you just watch. I'm gonna turn it into 10. Mm, I only on. got two. I only got two right now, but yeah. I'm gonna work my darndest in faithfulness and stewardship and shrewd business investments. I'm gonna turn two into four. And I'm gonna tell God, you can trust me. Mm. You can trust me with more. I think life should go from you you oversee thousands to ten thousand. From 10,000 to 100,000, 100,000 to million, million to tens of million. I think you should just increase in what God sees fit for you to steward. Mm, so good. Hey, man, I, I appreciate that you're more concerned about being impactful than impressive. And that's, that's what you're it. talking about, right? Like, I don't need to be impressive. I'm going to be impactful. I'm going I'm to steward my gifts well. Andy Stanley already told us the impressive guy, he already got his reward. So at the end of the day, you have to really ask yourself as a leader, what am I doing this for? Do I want more from people or do I want more for people? Am I here to get value or am I here to add value? The, The thing about leadership is it always boils down to one thing. And that first always starts with motives. So why are you in it? Are you in it to be recognized, to be seen, to be global, to be a success, to have a pod, to have a book, to have it? You know, if you're in it for you, we're going to mm. find out pretty quick. Mm. Man, I love that. I consider you a leadership titan, you know, like a Pat Lanchoni and, and, and John Maxwell. Pat said this the other day that, you know, the world is not a better place when people want to lead without knowing why. And that's what, that's what you're talking about, you know? <laughs> And, and wow. it's like, man, it's just, it's true. Like the motive, the motive matters. We got to check our heart. The motive matters. All right. So we talked about what you've learned. I want to talk about what you're learning. Um, and I want to underscore what you said about getting back up, you know, um, so much truth to what, to what you just shared. Tell me what you're learning, man. You got mm. so much coming at you, like writing books, you're preaching, you're trying to, you know, all these people want your time. I know you're still evolving as a leader. Like I think you would. I think oh, you would say, I haven't, I haven't arrived. God's, God's not done with me. I'm still sharpening a saw. What are you, what are you learning in this season of your life in, in your leadership journey? That, that is a great question. It makes me think of a, 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 a quote I just heard two days ago. And when I heard it, I go, hold on. Let me write that one down. You pull out your phone and you go. <laughs> yes. I heard this guy say uh, two days ago, divine operation requires human cooperation. Ooh, and say it again. Say it again. Divine operation. And I just marvel at this one. Divine operation. Divine. Cause I, cause I, I would like to be a leader that leads something that has a divine operation, but in order for it to have a divine operation, well, gosh, dang it. Here we go again. It requires human cooperation. So, you know, the, 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 the problem for leadership is how do you get everybody to play, play well together? Mm. How do you get everybody to cooperate? How do you get an Enneagram three to get along with an Enneagram five and an Enneagram five to get along with an eight and an eight to get along with a one and a one play well with the four. And what about the four and the nine? Cause I want divine operation really bad. Yeah. But it, it has nothing to do with my desire of that. Yeah. It has everything to do with my ability to create an environment where chemistry flows. It's good. And, and conflict has resolution. There's a saying for me that I'm, I'm learning. Ask me what I'm learning. You can lose the game. 
but you cannot lose the locker room. And when you lose the locker room, you got to ask why. Was it because they mad, they were mad at each other or were they mad at you, the leader? Or were they mad at the systems within the organization? Was it the community? Where did we lose? How did we lose the locker room? I, I'm, I, I, I could lose a game. That's fine. Lose the locker room? What did we do wrong? Because I want divine operation. But it always boils down to human cooperation. So good. So if you're listening to this, on, I listen to everything on one and a half speed. I'm just going to ask you, slow it down. If you're like me, you do that, just slow it down. This is a one, this is a normal speed <laughs> conversation right now. This is good. So much gold. Um, so here's, okay, so let's, let's stay there. I was going to ask you another question. Let's stay there. That's too good. You can lose the game. You can't lose the locker room. Tell me about why are leaders losing the locker room? What would you say to somebody who's like struggling well, with that? Yeah, well, I think we have to always take everything in context. You know, first of all, we just got out of, we are, you know, Craig, I just recently had Craig Rochelle on, on, on my podcast. And Craig said that he believes that out of the entirety of COVID right now is the hardest time to lead right now. Mm. And we have to understand why is he saying that? Because the aftermath, the damage of COVID, the four crises we faced, a health crisis, financial crisis, political crisis, and race crisis. Mm. The aftermath of that and everybody holding their lives together with duct tape. Mm. We're now facing the reality of, 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 of the damage of that and what happened in mm. the great resignation. And, and now we go into a recession. And do people want to work as hard? And so I think there's, you know, as to be a great leader, in my opinion, you cannot take everything personal. Mm. I, I would encourage you, if you're a leader, to take very few things personal. In fact, I would ask you to consider, don't take it personal until they make it personal. Oh, I think a yeah. lot of times we think so highly of ourselves as leaders. You got to be careful. Because if you live by their criticism, I mean, live by their praise, you're going to die by their criticism. Yes. So you got you yes. to be very careful. You yes. know, if you're going to be a leader, you got to be careful because you get all the adoration, all the attention and all the attack. Mm. So you just got to be careful. Mm. And so I think, you know, you you have to take in context. Why is this happening? Usually mm. it's bigger than you. And I got to always put myself in other people's foot, footsteps. Mm. What are they facing in their home? What about their marriage? How are their kids? How's their money? Mm. You want to mess with somebody? H have them come under financial pressure. Then let's talk. Come on. By the way, pressure doesn't build anybody. Pressure reveals everybody. Yes. So, so you got to just understand what pressure does to people. And yes. so I think that, you know, we have to take a step back and we've got to see things from a greater vantage and we can't see everything within our own little cul-de-sac. We got to see mm. across the country, across the world, what are other industry leaders facing? A lot mm. of times it's not just my little industry. It's, it's across the board. So I, I've, got to, I've got to get a better perspective on things when things are, are, are not always going the way that I want them to. So cool. Yeah. And, you know, when you were talking about... Um... Not getting, not getting the big head, right? I love what you said about, you know, if you live 
for their pra- their praise shall die by their criticism. So true, man. So much truth to that. Um, John John Maxwell said this to me the other day. He said, Jordan, just just remember, they're not praising you. They're yeah. praising a gift inside of you. Yeah. Right? That's what they're admiring. They don't even know you. They can't, leave, they're not in love with you. To, they don't. Leave it to John to just kind of poke the ego every once in a while. Wait a second. They don't they don't he's love good me. at it. That's right. I thought it was about me. You know, he said, Hey, it's not they don't even know you. They're praising the gift inside of you. That was a such a good reminder. Okay, so I want you to speak to emerging leaders. We have a lot of emerging leaders listening. You're in this cool season of life, right? Where you've got the wisdom and the experience to reach veteran leaders. I think you're still hip enough, cool enough to reach some of the younger leaders. We have some emerging leaders. That. It's hey man, you know it's the truth. Come on. I'll take it. Um we got some emerging leaders who are wanting to know how do I steward my gifts? How do I expand my influence? But do that, do that the right way. Like I, I kind of want to be like Chad. Like I'd love to speak and write and move people and inspire people. Like Chad, what should I be thinking about as an emerging leader? What would you say? Well, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, greatness doesn't happen in a day. It happens daily. And so I just think I would just say to every emerging leader, get a hold of the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Come on. Treat it like your Bible and start developing the compound of consistency. Mm. So, you know, to me, I always look at, at, at people that are able to create disciplines in their life early mm. and the fruit, the reward. Like, let's just talk about money for a second. Let's talk about a budget. You want to be a great leader? How much money do you make right now? You don't have a money problem right now. You have a you problem. That's good. So learn how to manage what you got. That's good. You make, what are you making this year? 45, 50,000? Great. Do you, do you set aside in an account taxes? Are you ready for taxes? Mm. You know, are, if you're a faith person, for me, I, I'm, I'm a tither. I, I'm a stickler on that. That's, that's where my faith is at. So do you have 10% set aside for that? What about a rainy day? Do you have a savings account? You, 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 by the way, I just set a budget and then my budget runs my money. I don't run my money. My budget runs my money. So to answer your question, I think in order to become a great leader, you take years, decades, and do the same thing. Over and over and over again. It's reading books, listening to podcasts, working out, getting into bigger rooms, find a way to get, you know, exposed Mm. to greatness. It's just do the stuff now because then in 15, 20 years, it's just who you are. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a light switch you turn on. You know, there's a Mm. saying, you're a sum total of your influences. So right now, choose your mentors, choose your influences. Choose who you're going to lean into and get mentored from a distance. There's a, a friend of mine recently. He had a coffee with a guy that I probably watch this guy preach every Tuesday for maybe a decade. His name is Wayne Cordero. He had a church in Hawaii, and he's just one of the most prolific leaders and communicators I've ever listened to. Well, I've probably only had. Now, his son was my best man, and I was his best man. So I, so I, I have a relationship with Wayne. But I've probably only had, let's say, 10 meals in my lifetime with Wayne. But the impact and the influence that he has been on my life, I've listened to every message, every leadership teaching. I've read every book. I let him mentor me from a distance. 
You don't have to always be able to get a coffee to learn from a John Maxwell or a Patrick Lencioni. So I would just say to every young leader, start doing it now. Yeah, come on. So good. Hey, and what you talked about, we talk about front stage, backstage. Everything you just talked about is backstage. Character gets developed in the dark. You know, you talked about doing things backstage, reading, praying, learning, asking questions, working on yourself. So love the advice that you just gave to a bunch of emerging leaders. Let's talk to the, let's talk to the, the, anything else you want to add to that? Well, cause I was, I was just going to say, you know, uh, a Colin Henderson is the first person I heard talk about imposter syndrome. Mm. And I think he says that 70% of, of, of adults in America deal with imposter syndrome. Yes. And I think good news to you, young leader, if you apply yourself right now, you will not be an imposter. You, you will be raised up and people will go, dude, they're the real deal. Come on. Like, that's really who they are. I could feel yeah. it. It was authentic. They're grounded. They've got their head on straight. They've got their values in order. Uh, they weren't mm. looking past me. Mm. So you know, good. Like, be real. Yo, so good. Don't you think, too, I think we can be impressed with a young leader's talent, but we fall in love with their character. That's exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's, so. it's, it's cliche stuff, right? You know, your talent gets you in the door, but your character will keep you there. Yeah. It's, it's cliche, yeah. but man, this stuff it's has true. been proven it's true. over and over again. And we always get disappointed, don't we? We always get disappointed when we see talent not match up with character Come and, on. And, and, and we feel bamboozled. We feel tricked. We feel, and it makes us feel uh, distrusting of others mm. and it makes us it makes us feel like anytime we do see personality or we do some see someone with flair or gifting that we get sus, uh you know suspect or 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 we we get put off i think it's okay to have great personality but please i'm just going to ask you if you got great talent match that mm. with phenomenal character mm. so good i was a young leader i i just confess chat out man i was underdeveloped and overexposed, you know, and, and, and I, eventually that caught up with me, you know, and I wish I would have heard this message earlier. I wish I would have taken the message seriously earlier. And we're going to start to land this plane, man, as, 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 as we come down, I, w- I would love for you to talk to the veteran leaders because um, there's some veteran leaders frustrated with this younger generation and you're, you're kind of somewhere in between. I know you're dealing with both generations. Um, you're influencing the influencers on, on both sides. What would you say right now to a veteran leader who's listening about dealing with the younger generation and, and expanding their influence in the midst of generations they don't understand? Well, I always think, you know, like it, it, it's just a, a tricky, sad deal for me. When you see an older leader that forgets where they came from. Because mm-hmm. you, you, my friend, you just, you forgot, didn't you? Mm. That that's, somebody was patient with you. Mm. Someone gave you a chance. You forgot. I think we have to always remember I was a knucklehead. Mm. I I had an attitude. I didn't have a clue. And somebody took a risk on me. Somebody got a coffee with me. Somebody pulled me into the office and corrected me. Someone Mm. loved me enough to call me out. 
you know, and, 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 and where would I be without the mentors and the investments and the coffees and the the soups, you know, at the kitchen counter and people's homes that are putting me back together and saying, you know, that's not the right perspective. That's not mm. what just happened. You know, so I just think the older you get, I have a tattoo right here. Sorry, it's right on this one. And, and I'm trying to get it in the shop. It says better at 70. And, 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 and the value of uh, some friends of mine, we, we all got this better at 70 tattoo. The value there was we made a commitment when we were younger leaders because of the way we were mistreated by older leaders. Mm-hmm. We made the commitment that when we, were, when we turned 70, we made a vow to each other that we're going to be sweeter and kinder and more generous. And we're going to invest more and we're going to be our happiest days. We're going to be better at 70 than we were at 30. And you think about it. Why do we make that commitment? Because most people, the older they get, they get cranky. They get ornery. They get stubborn. They get judgmental. They say this net is generous. And I just like I, that sound. Mm. Oh, God. Mm. may it be so far from my spirit and mm. so far from my language. And so if you're an older leader, you ought to make the commitment right now at 70 years old, you're going to champion, you're going to build, you ought, you ought to be like, remember, uh, there's a guy in the NBA named Brian Scalabrini, the redhead from the <laughs> Boston Celtics. He's from, you know, where I'm from in Seattle and he'd have the towel. He'd be waving. You know, he's not playing a minute tonight. He's waving. So the older I get, I want to become the Brian Scalabrini of leadership. So good. I don't know if it can get any better than that, man. Mic drop. That that's that's great wisdom to to leaders. I love better at seventy. What an awesome mantra, man. This has been so fun. I I want to I want to keep going, but hey, listen, you have things to do and people to serve. We could I could jam. I with love you for talking hours, to you. I, I, yeah, I love talking. It's my favorite subject. I just love talking about leadership, and I love talking about because I, I I really feel like I'm just starting to learn something. I'm yeah. just starting to like. Don't you feel that way? It's like I'm just starting to figure out. Oh, that's what I was doing wrong. You know, and it's just the constant quest of, of wisdom and, and understanding and, and, and revelation and knowledge and, mm. and getting insight. You know, you need more insight. You and I need more insight. Amen. Yeah. Work in progress, man. It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Isn't that the truth? Come on, John Wooden. <laughs> hey, listen, man, you, you, you are. I mean, Brad said it. You're one of the most gifted communicators of our time. It's just true. You're stewarding that gift. Thanks for wearing your faith on your sleeve making it about others, making it about Jesus. Um, yeah, man, keep being you. So encouraged Thank by you. you. What's next for Chad Veach? What's, what's next? Well, I'm getting ready right now. Tomorrow we'll, we'll get away and we've got a big planning day for 2023. We've got our calendar mapped out and now we're just getting some vision. And, you know, I think every leader has to have their mountains that they're climbing, you know, so you got to yeah. identify what are those, you know, um, I think Craig Rochelle calls it your, your next outrageous win. Mm. And so, so what's, what's your next outrageous win? And mm. um, that's now. Okay. So now we're going to work on that and now we're going to climb that mountain. So I, we're still defining that. We're still yeah. trying to understand what that needs to be. And uh, I've, I've never been more, you know, obsessed about learning about uh, parenting and wanting to be a mm. great father. And I want my marriage to flourish and I want my employees to have the greatest mm. working environment. So there's a lot of challenges that we're, we're facing in, we got to lean into it. We can't, can't avoid mm. it. I can't, mm. I can't hire it out. 
I've, I've got to I've got to lead through it. So I'm excited to, to keep on trying to grow. Thank you for the gift of time and energy. Um, I know people are going to be blessed by I worry about everything because I pray about nothing. And they're going to be blessed by this podcast, this message, man. Let's go. My new friend, Chad Veach. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Company's podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. I want to say thanks also to John Choate and James Roth of Storyline Multimedia for all of the work that they do behind the scenes to make this episode go. If you enjoy listening to this show, if you're somebody who tunes in once in a while to our podcast, we'd love it if you'd officially subscribe so that we could move our mission of impact forward. This podcast is designed to help the leader go farther faster. We hope we've done that today. Be well, be great. Have a wonderful day.